Hello and welcome to Quilt Achievement's Markets Uncut podcast, your weekly insight into the topics and trends that we've been exploring for you here at Quilt Achievement. Remember, so you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you're using or by following hashtag QC weekly comment on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Ollie Creasy, Equity Research Analyst based in our London office. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by regular podcast guest, Richard Carter, our Head of Fixed Interest Research, and Ben Barringer, our tech analyst. Good morning to you both. Uh, so Richard, to you first. Um, feels like a, a fairly quiet week, actually, for, for macroeconomic data anyway. Um, although Friday did slightly buck that trend with a Bank of Japan announcement and some Eurozone GDP numbers as well. Did we see any surprises going into the weekend? Yeah, I think you're right, Ollie. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to um situation with the banks in, in a second, but markets are fairly becalmed, actually. And uh, I think the sort of macro releases have been broadly consistent with the same theme recently, which is, uh, despite all the sort of talk about impending recession and worries about, you know, where the economies are going, uh, actually growth is pretty resilient for now. Uh, and you've still got plenty of plenty of signs of inflation pressures, whether that's on the sort of manufacturing side uh, or or on the wages side. So it all looks like basically we're we're heading uh, for another uh, rate rate rise from the Federal Reserve um, this week. So as I say, yeah, no no major surprises on the macro side. Still fairly um, uh, consistent with what we've seen recently. I said, well, look, you, you stole my thunder slightly. You've, uh, you've mentioned the potential weaknesses in the banking sector. I'm sure we want to talk about First Republic at some point soon. Um, so let's let's bring that in. Um, yeah, I, I recall actually uh, one of the comments earlier in the week was one of rate expectations maybe nudging down again, and obviously that's something that happened uh, last time when we saw some weakness in the U.S. banking sector, which is something that seems to be rearing its head again. You know, is, is that the problem here? Is there some slightly different context? Um, and I suppose you know, also what what is the the situation with First Republic to the extent that you're you're following that? It's a, it's the same old it's the same story really that affected Silicon Valley. It's a sort of um, weak regulation for some of these uh, regional banks. It's um, problems caused by uh, rising interest rates in terms of the assets held by these banks, and ultimately a loss of confidence and, and outflows by depositors. And this is this First Republic one has been a sort of slow motion. Uh, train crash for a number of weeks now and I don't think it was really a massive surprise to see the whole thing uh, seized by regulators and then hoovered up very quickly thank you very much by JP Morgan I think this is this is something that was fairly uh, you know was, has been in the sort of pipeline for some time now and um, it's interesting because you know like I say Federal Reserve going to raise interest rates this week you know for now we're still focused on the dangers of inflation and not dangers of a slow motion uh, credit crunch, but I think ultimately um, that's something that will be a bigger concern and will, and will probably mean that we're getting close to the peak in interest rates. Cool, thank you for that. Um, I was going to pivot quickly into some political questions for you. Um, there's been a bit of news in the US. Not sure if I can call it a shock, but I, I am a bit surprised or maybe just amazed that it is happening. Um, we, we know now that Joe Biden plans to run for the presidency again uh, at the age of 80 years old. Um, I suppose that's Good for him. Um, I'm curious if, well, first of all, if you have an opinion on this, and perhaps more importantly, do you think investment markets care that much? Well, I think I think we, as things stands, it looks like we're uh, heading for a repeat of Biden versus Trump, uh, and um, which is pretty interesting if that happens. Although there's still some way to go, and uh, various things that could various things that could change that. I guess I'm not that surprised in the sense of once you're probably in power uh, as U.S. president, you're not 
going to sort of winningly give that up and there's no natural uh there's no natural successor to him i don't think kamala harris is necessarily seen as a as a sort of presidential candidate at this stage so um i guess i'm not i'm not surprised does it matter to markets i think markets will wait and see um who the runoff you know who the election's going to be between but i think if biden's the most left-wing candidate out there that is going to be in the election i think uh you know, I think people can probably live with that. And uh, and if, if the Republican goes and wins, then markets will be pretty relaxed with that too, I think. Yeah, fair point. Uh, and then just finally in this section, a friendly reminder to all our listeners in the UK that it's local elections on Thursday. Um, and actually, first for many will be the need to remember photo ID in order to vote. Um, I haven't actually seen that much in the way of predictions on, on this on these local elections. But um, do you think we'll be able to read too much into the results either way? Is this... This count as a sort of a litmus test for Rishi Sunak, or is it dangerous to draw too many conclusions here? Potentially, I mean, it's not the it's not all of the country that's uh, involved in these elections, and then so you have to look at some of the individual areas that are actually contesting it and what what the history is. I mean, you know, Labour is expected to do pretty well, um, but at, at the time that these seats were last contested, the Tories were in were slumping in the polls too. So it might be that um, although Labour would probably doubtless win quite a few you know seats, it's, it might not be an absolute you know absolute carnage for the Tory party. I mean, I think um, there will clearly be be some sort of key battleground areas that will be contested and people will be looking at that but I think um, there's still some way to go to the general election and local elections you can often get these sort of protest votes around obviously at the moment it'd be around the cost of living that doesn't necessarily feed into what happens in a in a national election so I think it will be you know interesting to see how um you know Rishi Sunak gets gets on in these things but I don't I think ultimately we should uh, take it all with a bit of a pinch of salt. Great. Thank you very much for that, Richard. Um, and uh, just moving over to our other guests this morning, one area that I wanted to just pick your brains on really is, is the tech sector. Um, we're in the midst of a Q1 earnings cycle. So um, thank you very much for joining us here in the studio. Um, so first up, look, I noticed that um, both Meta and Microsoft name checked AI in their recent updates. Um, wondering what to make of this. Is this a, a real change in approach for either company or do you think this is, I mean, call this buzzword bingo or something like that? And I suppose as a follow-up, who, who else is out there with a, a business model that's ripe for AI disruption or maybe we'd call it enhancement? Yeah, look, I mean, AI uh, is an area we've been doing a lot of work in for, well, at least over 10 years. Um, in fact, the original algorithms and mathematics that's driving a lot of uh, artificial intelligence was was actually done in the 1950s but the real catalyst in recent years has been the advent of cloud computing because what that mathematics lacked was an ability to cheaply store huge amounts of data uh, and secondly to process that data very very cheaply so ai and the most recent iteration, which is called generative AI, is a continuation of something we've been investing in for, for quite a long time. As it pertains to Microsoft, yeah, it's absolutely front and center of, of what they're trying to do. And AI is being used in multiple areas of Microsoft. So in search, uh, they have Bing, which is a tiny search engine. I think it's less than 5% of users use Bing compared to Google at 85%. But infusing generative AI into Bing is hopefully going to drive Microsoft's share in search uh, up over time. Probably more, more important, though, for Microsoft is what they're doing in terms of infusing generative AI into their software products. And so they've just announced uh, a series of software products called Copilot, where generative AI helps users 
users with using those bits of software and makes them more productive. So there's one called GitHub. GitHub is a library for software developers. Uh, and it's estimated that since the launch of that, 40% of new pieces of software have been written actually by machines, right? And so that's very, very uh, supportive for this idea that if you infuse AI into software, you can automate an awful lot of the tasks uh, that occur uh, in our in our daily jobs. So search software, and then the final piece is, is infrastructure. So Microsoft had very good numbers uh, in their cloud infrastructure business called Microsoft Azure. It grew 31% and they guided to 27%. And it looks like uh, they're actually taking some market share from uh, Amazon Web Services. You also touched on, on Meta, formerly Facebook. Um, yeah, they, they faced some two very big challenges in the last 18 months, and AI has helped with both of them. Uh, the first one has been TikTok uh, and people, the advent of short form video and people watching more and more short form video. What they've been able, what Facebook has been able to do is pivot a lot of the content that you see. It used to be five years ago, or even when the advent of Facebook first started, or even Instagram, um, that most of the content you saw was from your network, was from people you knew. Increasingly, that content is actually being recommended by artificial intelligence. And, and, and that's really changed the way that, that people use Facebook and to a certain extent. Uh, Instagram. So yeah, they, they've largely fast followed what TikTok has been been doing and their, their product Reels has got very good um, uh, user impression, basically more, pe more people looking at uh, uh, the, the images. That means it's, it's going to be good for advertisers because wherever eyeballs go, advertising dollars go. The second area that um, uh, Meta has been using artificial intelligence is to address a problem that Apple created for them, which was to do with their privacy changes in iOS. Um, basically, that stopped uh, Meta being able to target exactly who you people, who their advertisers were, were advertising to. Um, artificial intelligence has allowed them to improve that targeting, basically. Um, so that's been very good for their the price they can charge for advertising because clearly you know, more targeted advertising is, is higher priced. Uh, and then finally, you know, they'll use AI um, in the much maligned metaverse and building of, of metaverse. And, and I think, you know, although uh, Mark Zuckerberg still wants to um, be present and lead in, in the metaverse, I think he's, it's come down a little bit down his priority list. And I think the timeline to achieving a, uh, us all being in the metaverse is, uh, it has been pushed out very significantly. I don't think you should write off the metaverse, but, you know, bear in mind that smartphones took 15, 20 years to become ubiquitous. And I think the same will probably be true for, for, for metaverse, consumer metaverse applications. To, to ask your question around the buzzword, yeah, look, there is a huge amount of hype around uh, AI at the moment and generative AI. But uh, ChatGPT was is the fastest application ever to 100 million users. It's currently at 200 million users. And, you know, lots of companies are doing knowledge investment. Every CEO wants to know what their answer to, to generative AI and how they can use it. And to your point, how they're going to be disrupted by it. What always happens in, in um, hype cycles is that you get a hype cycle and then you get a little bit of a trough of disillusionment and we can start to see the signs of this you know intellectual property challenges legal challenges regulatory uh oversight and so forth so we fully expect that that to play through for gen ai and, and the truth will probably come out somewhere in the middle the slope of enlightenment gartner normally calls it i always think about 3d printing right 3d printing was going to change everything and nobody was going to need it to hold any inventory or, or the downside was they were just going to use it for prototyping and uh, and the truth is 
is somewhere in between, right? 3D printing has some very good applications for, uh, you know, in aerospace and, and automotive and things like that, but it's not replaced everything. So um, that's where we think uh, Gen AI will, will fall out. In terms of companies that are being disrupted, gosh, I mean, there's a great example overnight, actually. Um, there's an, a, an education software business called Chegg, uh, and they help students uh, sort of ingest and understand topics uh, in education. Uh, they mentioned on their call last night that they've seen slower user growth because of uh, ChatGPT. Uh, their stock is uh, indicated to open down 45% uh, this afternoon. So disruption is one of the key things about tech investing. You know, you have to be constantly on top of it because if you become big, there's always going to be somebody who wants to, to eat your lunch. Thank you very much. Yeah, I can imagine those guys are uh, languishing in their own personal trough of disillusionment at the moment. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Proves I was listening anyway. Um, Move on a little bit, uh, although only so far as other news relating to Microsoft. Uh, I noticed that the um, the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK has uh, blocked their takeover of, of Activision. Curious what your thoughts on that is. Uh, is this a dead deal now, or do you think it gets sort of revived in some other format? And I suppose also, does it does it have any read across for other other tech operators or areas in that sector? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, this was a closely watched uh, ruling by the CMA, the UK CMA. Microsoft had basically offered some what are called behavioural remedies uh, to try and you know get the, the deal passed. Regulators don't really like these behavioural remedies because basically it means they have to set up a small group of people to constantly monitor um, the behaviour of uh, of Microsoft and Activision. And so, um, yeah, they uh, they didn't like the dominant position that Microsoft was going to have in cloud gaming, and that's very interesting because cloud gaming is a very small market today. And but will probably become much bigger. And so essentially, the CMA is taking a view on how future markets might look. And I think that's fascinating because um, if regulators maybe looked at the Facebook Instagram deal today or the Google YouTube deal today, they might take a slightly different view. And so that's very interesting. The other thing to say is that, you know, the CMA has been a tough regulator ever since it sort of got its its own voice, really, post-Brexit. Uh, and, and so they, they're very interested in making sure that consumers are well protected. Uh, I don't think the deal is dead, as Microsoft can, can you know, propose other changes to the deal. But ultimately, you know, it's a trade-off between the positives and the, uh, of the deal and the, and the cons of, uh, of making remedies. So, um, as I say, they can, they can appeal. Um, the other thing to say is that in May, uh, the Europeans will uh, rule on this deal. And then in August, there's a court case in the US. And so other regulators tend to look at each other's homework. And, and uh, so that's not going to create a particularly good wave. In terms of knock-ons into other deals, uh, yeah, look, it's there's uh, companies like Adobe uh, are trying to buy a company called Figma. Um, and uh, that, that won't be taken too well because, again, you know, clearly the UK CMA have got quite a high hurdle um, for, for getting regulatory clearance. Thank you. So it wouldn't be a tech update if we didn't mention Amazon at least once. Um, so I will just uh, put the final question to you uh, on them. Uh, we saw the shares sort of jump up uh, after a Q1 announcement, and then they sort of fell back down to earth again a little bit. Um, just wondering if you uh, mind giving us a quick comment on, on what happened there and, and how the company's faring so far in 2023. Yeah, look, I mean, people, um, numbers have been coming down for Amazon over the last year or so. Um, and the stock had been quite strong into those numbers because earlier in the week, like earlier last week, you'd had Microsoft and Google and they had quite good numbers in terms of their um, their cloud growth. 
and actually the numbers looked looked very good. But then on the call, which happened a couple of hours, you know, uh, after they'd announced their results, uh, they guided um, Amazon Web Services a, a little lower than uh, people have been expecting. So Amazon Web Services did sixteen percent growth uh, in the in Q one, uh, and they guided it to nearer eleven in Q two. So basically, there's still a deceleration happening. And and the important point to note is that that is below you know Microsoft's run rate of around twenty seven percent. So clearly, there's some um, share being lost uh, in Amazon's cloud business, AWS. In terms of the retail business, actually, that's that's not doing too badly at all. In, in the US, that was up 11% uh, and up 9% um, ex-US, and they guided to a very similar kind of growth rate. So that's not bad for a, you know, a retail business in recession, sort of you know, 10, 11%. But uh, all eyes are very much on you know, the cloud business in AWS, because that's where a lot of profitability comes from. Um, so it's another reason why we consider, you know, we prefer Microsoft over um, that's brilliant thank you um and indeed i thank you both for your insights and uh all of the listeners out there for listening today um before we go i'm absolutely delighted to confirm that this podcast and also our sister one called the fund buyer have both been shortlisted for best podcast for the investment marketing and innovation awards 2023 um, the winners will be announced at a special ceremony on friday the 7th of july so fingers crossed and get that date in the diary and good luck to Richard and also Nick at the Fund Buyer and the team there. Did you enjoy our discussion on this podcast today? Um, we do genuinely love to hear from our listeners. So do review the show if you're listening uh, and, and share it on the socials, taggers, at Court Achieviot, all of that good stuff. Um, and to make sure you don't miss a future episode, do tap that subscribe button. We will be back next week. Uh, and in the meantime, please head over to the website, www.quiltachieviot.com where you can read the accompanying market overview as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. You can also stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, industry insights and our upcoming events and webinars on that website or on our social media pages. And finally, if you do have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts, do please ask them. Uh, like I said before, we genuinely love to hear from the listeners and we genuinely enjoy getting these questions to ponder. Um, simply ask them through the weekly comments page, which is on our website. So that's it for today. Thank you again to Richard and Ben for your time today. And again, to all of you for listening. We'll see you next time.